Hey everybody, what's up? It's Trent McClellan with uh, episode 63 of the Generators podcast. Welcome back to you folks who have listened to a bunch of these uh, bad boys. And uh, if you're new, welcome. Come on in, sit down or stand up. You do what you want to do. You know, it's totally up to yourself. Um, I am recording this introduction again, as always, inside the bubble known as Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, Earth. And uh, on a Sunday, as I normally do, and uh, what an amazing, amazing weekend it was this weekend in Nova Scotia. Just the weather was incredible. Um, took it easy on Friday. On the weekend, I went down to Mahone Bay and Lunenburg. And if you've not been down there, you need to get yourself down there. Okay. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Right off the ocean. Stunning. My girlfriend and I went down and uh, had an incredible time. Ran into a friend of mine from my hometown, Matthew Krizan, who owns a restaurant down there called Mateus' Bistro. So good. The food was amazing. Got to catch up with him. And um, just a special place, that place, Mahone Bay. It, uh, you just feel calmer. You just feel like everything slows down. It's not a ton of people. And uh, it's kind of the vibe that... I like right now with everything else that's going on, you know, it's nice to not be around a ton of people. It's nice to kind of just, you know, chill out and keep it, keep it low key and be around a few folks. And, uh, and I like that. I like that vibe. So, uh, we, uh, had a great time, came back and, uh, can I just say some, and I don't know if there's going to be, if this will come to fruition, but I got a feeling taxi cabs, will not exist in a couple of years. I get a feeling with Uber and all the other, you know, different modes of transportation that are going on. I just feel like cabs have not evolved. You know, I had to get a cab today. I had a car rental for the weekend and I had to get back to the condo after I dropped the rental off and I had a cab, my girlfriend and I, and a guy was just like, you know, like just to use like your debit card is a big deal. It's like, ah, okay. He's got to get the thing out. And it took seven minutes for it to find a signal. So we could get, you know, like it's just, it's 2020. I mean, you got to evolve, right? It's like, plus of course, typical cab situation. You call it, it takes forever to get there. You know, you call it. And like 20 minutes later, it shows up. It's like, no, people don't. People don't have time for that. That, That's not, you know, I like Blockbuster thought their business model was safe. Oh no, we have uh, home movies. People come from their homes and they come here and they pick out a film and they bring it home. And then we charge them. And then if they don't get it back here on time, we charge them more money. And then they've got to get back in their cars and drive back here and drop it off. And yeah, they thought that that was going to last forever. It didn't. Streaming came along. Now people can actually watch a movie at home without leaving their home, right? Netflix and all those other people came along and made the process frictionless, made it super easy for people to choose that. Taxi companies, not not doing it. You're not making it super easy for us to choose you. You're going to have to up your game. You're going to have to. I remember, I remember a time when, when you called a cab and that cab showed up, they would get out of their, of their car, out of their, they'd undo that seatbelt and they'd get out of that deep groove they've been sitting in 
for probably years and they'd, they'd help you with your bags. I remember that time. Not too long ago. I cannot tell you the amount of times a cab driver has just popped the trunk and then watched me from his rearview mirror load my bags in the back of his car. And every time it happens, I get in the back seat and I think to myself, this is why Uber is going to destroy this industry. They're going to just come in here and destroy the rest of the competition. It, the, the, it's, it's just, it's inevitable. You can see it coming like a train down the tracks. And, um, and I think it's, it's, it's pretty obvious to me that that's what's going to happen. If cabs don't seriously get it together and realize the Netflix of your industry is here and you're going to need to adapt and quickly, or you will cease to exist. I really feel that. So that's that. That's a little rant that I, uh, that I shared with you. Um, all right, let's set up this week's episode. This is uh, this is a big one, folks. This is a big one. I have this week my friend, Mister Jerry D, is on the show, and uh, I had not talked to Jerry in a couple of years, uh, except for maybe a couple texts back and forth. Um, I used to open up for him quite a bit a number of years ago, and when we got to hang out a little bit, and. Uh, we kind of hit it off right away, him and I. We had a lot of stuff in common. We both big sports guys and and uh, seemed to hit it off immediately. And it's been really cool to kind of watch him watch him have the success he's had. And I don't know if there's there's someone who works as hard or looks for the next opportunity as much as Jerry does. He's always you know, not resting on his laurels and on his uh, past success. He's always looking for the next thing. And uh, we get into that a little bit and where that comes from. And uh, I also, there's a moment in this in this talk where I talk a little bit about what I learned from him. And, uh, and I think uh, you'll probably enjoy that. But uh, we had a great talk, man. It was great to catch up. Um, as I said, with this crazy time we're all in, the one good thing about it is I've been able to catch up with a lot of, uh, a lot of friends I haven't talked to in a long time. And been able to share those conversations with you guys. And, uh, and so, uh, so that's been really, really cool. And thanks to everybody who's been listening, by the way. I mean, I've been getting some great feedback from people and comments and emails and stuff. And, uh, I really appreciate everyone out there who's, who's been listening and I hope it's providing some entertainment for you and, uh, and, uh, been of some value to you in some way. So, uh, thanks to those who are, who are listening and tuning in. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is a great chat with Jerry and, uh, he's just finished wrapping up, uh, family feud Canada. We talk a little bit about that and, uh, what he's got coming up next, but, uh, great talk about stand up, about the television, uh, business, entertainment business, uh, show business, um, some do's and don'ts that we've learned. And, uh, I think, uh, I think you'll get a lot out of this and, and there's quite a few laughs in this as well. Also, there is mention of a somewhat semi-famous story of the time that Jerry D pulled a prank on me, a massive one. And uh, we talk about that one as well pretty early in the podcast. All right. So uh, I hope you enjoy my uh, conversation with my good friend, uh, Mr. Jerry D. Perfect. Joined by Jerry D, who I have not spoken to. When did I speak to you last? Was it? Uh, it was a few years ago, I think. That we were actually in the same room. 1998. <laughs> Basketball finals, wasn't it? I hadn't even started stand up. <laughs> I have not seen you. You're a busy man. You're on uh, 22 minutes, and look at me, look at probably me out in Halifax. 
Oh, what's up? I love Rep, it. Rep in the mug. Uh, Season yeah, 117. Um, <laughs> it's been a few years. I think, I don't know where I would have saw you. Maybe at a festival or something. I think we just crossed paths in a lobby somewhere, maybe a couple years yeah. back. But it's been a while. It's been a while. Well, it's always good to see you and catch up. Yeah, and see what's going on. Are you in Toronto now? Where are you? Yeah, Toronto. Toronto. Are you in Halifax filming? Yeah, in Halifax. So I had to do the two-week uh, quarantine yeah. thing, which was, not going to lie, a little bit of a test of the old census, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I uh, yeah, did that. So we've been filming here now, and crazy COVID protocol and masks and all that stuff yeah. in certain areas. And so it's, you know, what's it like with, with the feud? Is it like... We, uh, we wrapped uh, a couple weeks ago. Same thing, though. Uh, you know, walk one way. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was really well done. Like they really thought it through, but, um, yeah, no crowd was tough. I'm sure you guys are in that same boat, right? You, you usually have a crowd. Now you don't, Oh, you might have a crowd there because yeah, they're pretty we, bubbled, right? Yeah. It's smaller crowd. So people come now in bubbles and yeah. groups of whatever their yeah. family is four or five. But I think it's weird because I feel like people are, or want to get out again, you know, like, especially here in Atlantic Canada, cause cases yeah. numbers are low and I feel like people need that night out again. And so you can still go see live music here. Alan Doyle played here a couple of weeks ago. We went to that and it's kind of same thing at the convention center, but spaced out and bubble set up, but people are looking to get out again, I think. And just, especially comedy, like just want to laugh in some capacity. Yeah. Right. Well, as you know, my, my family lives out there. My brother-in-law was telling me the other day, like I kind of laugh cause they have, well, now they have a few cases, unfortunately, but when I was talking to him, there was no cases. And he said, like, I'm driving down the Bedford Highway. There's a guy on the Bedford Highway walking alone with a mask. We have no cases. <laughs> <laughs> so they're very safe. But uh, that Atlantic bubble is working. I just saw, you know, and it's the lowest in the in the world, probably, or it's the lowest in North America. So, but I mean, it's... Uh, Hopefully we're getting close to this vaccine, right? Yeah, we hope so. It's such a weird time. Go ahead. Yeah, it's the fun, funniest podcast I've ever done so far. It's real funny, yeah. So the other thing about life, you know, in terms of mortality. <laughs> I mean, uh, do, you uh, can- do, you can- do you have cancer? You want to tell me I have stage four cancer right now? Really bring down the room? You know what's funny, man? It's like, I think... I think people think comedians are like that all the time that we're like just cracking each other up and like just riffing. No. And I've had meals and sat down and whatever, and we have had those moments, but quite often it's pretty, it's pretty serious, mundane <laughs> type of stuff. Well, it's, yeah. Well, people, I've had people say to me, uh, the most, the most like not, he's not really well known, but the most interesting one, which I've, we've had a lot is like, you're a comedian say something funny. That's the old, so I'm at a, a friend of mine is uh, involved with the LA Kings at the time. And he wants to meet for dinner in <clears throat> Toronto about eight years ago. And um, he's with Dean Lombardi, who at the time was the GM of the LA Kings. Right. So I knew who he was. I'm a hockey guy. And we're sitting there. We're 20 minutes into some nachos and just chatting. And he goes, so you're a comedian. I go, yeah. He goes, you don't seem very funny. I said, yeah, well, I'm not really working. Like you want, you know, you want me to ask you about your power play right now? You want to go through that? Go through your power play, your breakout? Like, so yeah, he actually laughed and we still, my buddy, Mike Feud and I, we still talk about that because I went, yeah, well, you want me to ask you about your power play? You know, you, know, you want to talk work? Like, yeah. but that's the thing for us. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we're, we're off, we're off the stage. Right. 
Yeah. And I find, I find, especially after a show, like, you know, you have that person who comes up and wants to tell you a joke or they, they get in your face and now they want to impress you. And it's like, buddy, the last thing I want to hear is that street joke that's been going around for 50 years, you know, three guys go into a bar, but, uh, You realize yeah. so you just did that thing for an hour. I don't need to be it now sitting here at a table with you people. I don't, I still got to be that guy for, for another hour. You want more of me just talking and you just listening. Is that what you want? Yeah. Well, I tell you, whenever I think of Trent McClellan and I'm sure you've told the story, it was the greatest prank I ever pulled in stand up. Oh man. Tell it, tell the story. Tell so, the story. I've never told it on the podcast. I think, I think, I think we were at Calgary in the, Calgary, yeah. in the, in the, Jack Singer or whatever, or one of those nice theaters. And it was a good crowd. And uh, you were kind of, you were coming on the road with me and you were the special guest, but you hadn't done a lot of shows with me. So, um, you know, we're so used to clubs. This was a big show for us. And for you, you know, you'd done a couple shows and it's, it's a lot easier, right? Cause it's a thousand people maybe. And you know, they're, they're going to sound louder. So unbeknownst to you, I kept you in your green room. I ran out on stage. The crowd was almost all there. And I said, don't laugh at anything he says. I said, don't laugh at anything he says. And so you, you go out, but you should tell the story from your perspective now. Cause I, I like to know what's going through your head. Cause you go, you got your killer jokes and then there's just oh, silence. Man. I, and I go out there with the added pressure of like, you know, I can't, this is not my show, right? Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do it, do well to keep being asked to be on these shows with you. Right. So I go out there and this place is huge. The stage is huge. You know, it's like a gymnasium without basketball nets. And I go out there and I'll try to start, you know, start with tried and true material. And I mean, I said the last syllable and dead silence, not nothing like <laughs> and I'm side stage howling howling and i remember i go in my head of course i go oh maybe it was a mic or something maybe this <laughs> so I do the next thing nothing and now i remember this i was only out there a minute and a half two minutes and i feel sweat run down that the back in between my shoulder blades <laughs> <laughs> like what is oh god oh my god this is in my this is kind of my hometown calgary there's people who know me i'm like Everything is oh, swirling around, and you you came out and grabbed me from behind, and uh, oh and god, I, I think I think I let you go seven minutes. It was a while. It, it was, was a long while. time, and then you got the old the odd stray person that came late, howling. <laughs> so you just have six people laughing alone, and you're probably like, "What the hell is going on here?" And, oh god, it was so funny. <laughs> I wish it had been taped or recorded. Taped it exactly. I wish we could tape it just (laughs) because we both know that feeling. Like we've had it many times where nothing works. Yeah, but it was not an environment where you you know as you always do there you would kill. And I'm like, okay, you probably did three shows, killed, killed, killed. I'm like, let's just let's just mix it up. So your mind would be like, well, I I've been there where I did a show once in Bahamas. And it was my first show after last comic. And I was, uh, you know, my feet jumped up. I was getting sent to the Bahamas and I get there and it was the worst gig ever. It was 45, it was 400 people. Uh, it was 45 minutes, 400 people. And two minutes in, they all just start walking out. They're all drunk. They're all fishing all day. 
So I'm literally like sweating like that. And all I'm saying is get the 45 minutes so you get paid. Get the 45 minutes. And by then, you're just talking to yourself. So I know the feeling I put you in, but <laughs> I knew I knew you well enough to do it. And oh, my God, I knew you could take it, too, because oh, you know, I, I know you well enough. <laughs> it is a weird thing. Like, I think only comedians would appreciate this, too. Like, when you have that many people, it doesn't make sense. Because you're like, even if, no. even if I, even if these jokes weren't landing the way they normally would, you're still getting a third, maybe. Yeah, you only need, yeah, you only need 200 to laugh and you don't notice. Right. But when a thousand oh, people just stare at you blankly and give you nothing, you're like, I, I can't eat but the next joke is attached to that one. I can't. And I call back to the first one. I call back to the first one. I, <laughs> I never thought of that. And then, and then, you, and then you get into, and the, yeah, you know what? I'm going to leave that. I'll leave yeah. that. And then you're, you're going through your head and your set gets quicker. Oh, man. Uh, talking um, to another comedian about that, actually, about pockets of silence and about like, you're great at it too. Like, the, the ability of like when you're delivering your material, like no one will speed you up generally. Like you go at your pace, your clip, you've got, you know, your rhythm kind of thing, but you see it when comics aren't doing well, that's the first thing they do is just, yeah. Up, yeah. and it only gets worse. It's like a death spiral. It's like, it's just going to get worse and worse. And you're sinking to the bottom. I, yeah. And I got to a point where I've had that still where I'm, it may look like I'm, I'm slow, but I'm going faster. And you look at that clock and it's like, you know, you're supposed to do like, I'll generally do an hour or 90 minutes. And I'm like done my set kind of like 42 minutes. I'm like, Oh my God. But cause the laughs, you know, the laughs fill up time. Right. So when you don't get the laughs, you generally speed up. But I, I've gotten to points where I've turned like, just what's wrong with you people? Like, yeah, like, acknowledge you know, it. yeah, you have jokes that you've done a hundred times that have worked a hundred times. Yeah. So when you get that crowd, that's like, no, um, I blame them, but there are some comics that will blame them every night. Yes. And I'm too edgy. Like, no, no man. It's yeah. It's you. It's yeah. you. It's yeah. not, it's not happening. If so it's, happening it's interesting. Yeah. If it happens a hundred times, it's you. It's definitely yeah. you. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Your first time on stage. Did you do well? I no. like asking that question. No, no, no. I only, you know what? I remember. No. Oh God, no. It was horrible. I had a sound bit and they, they couldn't get in the office because Mark Breslin was locked, was in there locking, locked, locked, was in there, locked in there with someone having a meeting. So they couldn't play Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. I had this bit on it and I like talk about four and a half minutes of death. It was horrible. It was horrible. And it, and I don't, and I remember a comic, yelled out and I asked, I talked about it years later because a comic yelled out, stick to teaching. And my friend told me after. And as it was that athlete in me that hated that. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, really? And that was what brought me back. Otherwise, I'm like, I just wanted to try it once. Yeah. I just wanted to try it once. And it was this 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 competitiveness that like, you know, this this screw you, man. Like that's what he said. And he goes, yeah. yeah. And I heard I heard it. And then I heard it was from a comic. And I said, I'm not, I'm not going out like that. And I went back and I went back and I think my third time I got one laugh doing a Scottish accent, you know, very hacky. And then, uh, I, I started getting a bit more comfortable. Shama Jumder, you know, really was the first guy that I started watching and 
he was, you know, as we know, there's a lot of comics who it's just a negative everything. And he, I remember him saying to me, just ignore the negative. And he was very supportive and very funny. And that was the first guy that I kind of got to work with a lot that, you know, I was like, yeah, this is okay. Like this is, you know, this guy's really good. And I even started emulating him a bit, yeah. which is not, which is not intentional, but I suddenly had a Newfoundland accent. <laughs> I'm not joking. And yeah, I yeah. watch myself. If you go watch my comedy now special. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what's going on there? I don't know what, I don't know what I just did there. It's not, it's not Newfoundland, but I was obviously hanging around Sean too much, picking up his mannerisms. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, and I happened to me in LA when I lived in LA and I was always doing shows with Dane Cook. I started, you know, I guess it was subconscious. And then, I just finally found my own way. And I think people tell you that. Like, I remember people saying Jeremy Hotz had like seven stages of yelling, quiet. I, I went through that. But yeah, Sean, you know, I know he's from your neck of the woods with Newfoundland, but Sean was uh, a, a good influence on me at the beginning. Uh, always, always positive, always killed. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot in those stages there. Um <clears throat> You know, he, he was, you know, and, and I said this to my kids the other day, right? As they're going through sports and you've played a high level, uh, a very high level sport as well. It's like, it's, it's being around more good people. What makes you better? When I went to just for laughs in, Oh, I don't know, 2000, I won a, a contest and I got sent to, that's a whole nother story, but I saw David tell and I saw, I almost quit. I, but being around good comics makes you work. If you come from a bit of a competitive or athletic background, which I always tell people helped me, yeah, you know, competing in sports at a high level, getting cut all the time in my life, getting cut in university. Like I was used to that. I was used to failure. So yep. this was harder failure, but it always made me want to go that I, I don't want to fail. And I, and I was like, you know, it's like, like, you know, playing a sport, you lose, you can't just walk away from it. So I think yep. it helped me a little bit and, and I'm sure you as well. Well, I think too, for me, what's the, the, that parallel to sports of it's come up a couple of times on the podcast is that uh, what you did last game or last show was irrelevant, whether you ate, ate it or you crushed it, even the late show. Now you do the late show. Nobody cares what happened at eight o'clock. Just like yeah. if you crushed it in soccer last Saturday, I'm playing a new team this Saturday. They don't care what you did. So you had to really just lick your wounds or celebrate your success quickly and then get on to the next thing. And so I think, plus you add in travel, you add in, you know, I still do stuff that I used to do on a soccer pitch before a game. I go out, look at the stage, walk around, see how big it is, all that stuff yeah. from sports. Yeah. And you also can't be too overconfident because your teammates will knock you down a peg. So, you know, I see comics who, young comics that walk around and, you know, or comics I worked with in back in the day that were thought they were killing every night and acting like they were a rock star. And I'm like, no, you're not. And secondly, if you did kill, you don't, you know, if you scored in a sport, you didn't, you just kind of were a bit humble about it. And that's sports too, for me, you can't, cause your teammates will knock you down in two seconds. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. You, you can't wear the crown for the next three weeks because you, you had a hat trick last Saturday. It's like, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's let's go again. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right, too. Like, especially in comedy when you're starting out because you don't know anything. It's You're very fragile. I was anyway when I started. So if you can find people who are positive and people who are, you know, who are energized about it and they seem normal. It's like if you can find those people early on, I think yeah. that makes a difference. But if you can't, I know a lot of folks who walked into a comedy club, did one set. It didn't go great. And they looked around and saw the people. People there like yeah i'm never coming back to this like they never returned ever and there are, there's a million of those people yeah and i i found frankly most comics were negative i didn't find when i was starting most were positive that's why i will try to be positive with a, a comic that's young and but most want i found starting most want you to not succeed yeah. the insecure ones. And then you get the Derek Edwards and the Wilmots and the Majumners who are totally confident in their act yeah. that are like, good job, man. That was great. Or keep going. But there's a lot of that middle ground guys. And then eventually you just realize they, they just fade away because, you know, but it was never going to work on me because I came through so much in sports. It was never going to work on me that like, you know, I remember one guy said to me, that was your first night? I said, yeah. He goes, you know, it takes about five years to even make a dollar, right? And I'm like, yeah, I've never really thought of that. But like, it was this weird kind of intimidation, like high yeah. school locker. Yeah. You, might, you, <laughs> might, you might want to get out of it now, dude. We don't yeah. need more of you. But, you know, they don't, they don't last. And, and, um, no. I find generally it's, yeah. it's the successful ones who don't do that. Anyone I've ever met who's been successful, had a long career and done something with it. They've never been that way. They've always been, like you said, been supportive of other people. They don't feel threatened by other comics. They're you know quick to give a good word. It's the ones who I feel who feel bitter, I think, and bitter, don't, bitter. don't think they're where yeah. they should be. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I remember going to open mics and seeing some guy get up on stage for the first time and he didn't know to move the, he took the mic out of the stand and didn't know to move the mic, you know, stand out of the way. <laughs> and comics in the back are like, oh, you, you didn't move the stand. I'm yeah, like, that, yeah. That was, that was you last week. You, you're yeah, only, yeah. You're only two weeks into this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're an expert. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hazing that goes on and they think, but yeah, they're, they're, you're dead on about bitter comics that, you know, they're, they're out there that uh, had it for a moment. Yeah. And, we you know, we know who they are. And we, they had it for a moment. They did an L.A. talk show where they had a development deal. And now they're my age or your age or older. And they're just bitter because they're seeing guys come up or girls come up. And they now they're getting the spots or they're. You know, it's like, it's like sports again, right? If a guy, I got cut from varsity hockey in university and I'm like, well, the guy's better than me, man. Like they, or they think, you know, you just, you, you, you can't talk your way out of it. You got cut and the next person comes along. If he's a better player, they, they beat you in comedy though. It's hard to qual you know, to qualify, qualify what's quality or sports. It's like, he's got 10 goals. You have two. Right. Who am I playing? I'm playing the 10 goal guy. That's how I live. I live in that world. Like, you know, that guy's selling out 20,000 seat theaters. So, you know, take Russell Peters, who a lot of people will like to knock in our business. Mm -hmm. Okay. To me, I, I like Russell. Russell's a friend, but you know, we're not chatting all the time, but to me, I don't, I just tune out that noise. This guy is selling out 20,000 theaters around the world. 
that's I don't care what you think, and you know people are saying this. It's just like that guy is scoring fifty goals a year in the NHL. There's no I don't care if you like him. That guy is a is a rock star. Yeah. So I I look at it like that. Um, yeah, you know, you might not like a joke he did, or maybe you feel or anyone, you know, you've and there, but there's people that I don't have to think they're this or that. And, 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 you know, if they're selling out theaters, good for them. Like, I wish I could do that. Yeah. You know, sell out stadiums, not theaters. <clears throat> no. Yeah, I know. Well, it's also too, like you see people like Jeff Dunham takes a lot, right. Or anybody who's got a guitar. It's like, yeah. Oh, so he's got a guitar. It's like, Oh, you're hilarious. Yeah. Until Air Canada loses your luggage. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, get on with it. I'm like, that guy's selling out, whether you like it or not, that audience loves it. You got a standing ovation. Yeah. Those are sold out. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit what you think about. <laughs> yeah. No, he's got it. He's got a guitar. Dude. I'd rather do 80 people at the Rivoli for no money <laughs> and at least, and at least stay true to myself. My art. I love those. I love those comics. Yeah. Can I stay on your couch um, tonight? Can I stay yeah, on your couch tonight? Yeah. Is it cool? I, you know, it, it's, it's like, I've always, you know, and, and the further you get, the more you get, you know, you get that. I was, I, I spoke at St. Effects's X-Ring a couple years ago. And I said, look, if you want to go through life and have everybody like you and everybody be mediocre yeah. because once you start getting really good at something, you're going to get enemies. You're going to get people coming at you that don't think you should have made it, that think you're hack. And um, I've always said, like, I'm not, I, I, you know, I've done well, and, but I am not the funniest guy in this country, not even close. But there's also a business to show business yep. that I always grabbed onto quickly. So it's more than, it's, it's more than just, you know, who's the funniest on stage. There's, we all have different opinions of who that is, but I'm the first to admit, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the funniest guy in this country, not even close, but I figured out some of the business things. I kept good relationships and that's a part of it that a lot of people will overlook. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's something I grabbed onto quickly in the business from day one. I was always like, I got to, you know, I, I, I picked up little things from, you know, Darren Frost, another, another guy, very business, like I learned little things from Darren in, in the early stages watching Darren. We're completely different people in comics, but I always admired his hustle mm -hmm. and his creativity. And he got a webpage before anyone and he was always working his ass off. And I admire that. And I, and I think, you know, that's why someone does successful as part of it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's it's that ability to accept that this is a business first. I think a lot of comedians get into it because they want to avoid work. It's like, I don't want to be in the nine to five world. I just want to go and sleep until five o'clock and get up and go to the club and have fun and party all night. And it's like, you can do that for a while. And I think we all do. Um, but I think you're right. The ones who quickly understand like talent's not enough, but like, you're going to have to embrace this business side. And I've told this story a bunch of times and I don't know if I've ever told you to your face, but I learned a lot of that from you because I was on the circuit. I was doing the things you take me to open and we went for a supper one night. I'll never forget this. It was at the keg in Fort McMurray, your favorite restaurant. And uh, we go there and you go, you go, you got to get off the circuit. And you said, and you said, I don't know how you're going to do it. <laughs> cause you're like, cause I, I have a, I have a show. So that kind of allows me to, but I, I you go, you got to get off the circuit. Otherwise you'll be on this thing, this roundabout for the rest of your life. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Cause there's lots of folks who had talent. It wasn't a matter of not being funny. It's like, if you don't leave that business model, which is the club business model, you don't need to, to make your own business model. 
you'll always be in that. You'll just be a cog in that wheel. And no offense to anyone who wants to stay in that. I just realized I don't want to do that the rest of my life. Like I want a certain quality of life. I don't want to worry about money. I don't want to. And that means I have to embrace the business side, which means doing boring things like thinking about numbers and math and, you know, the, the finance part of it. It's not exciting stuff, but it's, that's what a business is. But I learned, I learned a lot of that from you still learning, but well, I'm still learning too. Well, that's glad. I'm glad. I mean, I always try to, you know, I've had many chats with comics and I, 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 I never talk to them about their act. I never say, I always talk about the business, you know, like I would bring an, bring an opener on the road with me and, you know, um, no one at your level now, but when they're kind of breaking out of that and I would say, go book, go book 10 clubs after this tour with me in the same cities and, and we'll announce those shows and they're your shows. Right. But go to go to the comedy club and strike a door deal. And everyone's like, they don't do door deals. I'm like, well, yeah, they do because I did one. And, you right. know, I, I, I will always pass on that information, you know, to if you even if you look at Mr. D, the number of comics that I would always try to have on and and anybody like I would just always think of a comic first to throw them a bone, you know, mm-hmm. that that I liked in the business and I couldn't get everyone on obviously. And sometimes, you know, names didn't pop into my head. Like I would say to people, like, for example, if we're looking for an actor on the show and you text me about something else, I'm like, Oh, Hey dude, are you, in ha-? you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how it would kind of work a lot of times. It wasn't yeah. like, hmm, let me see. So it's all, I think there's a lot of giving back. Uh, there's a lot of that you, you are expected to do. Um, but it's, uh, it's a lot of it is the business that I think is what is, is, is more important in, in, you know, because you, you know, well, the comedy is obviously the most important, but learning the business is, uh, is, is an important part as you, as you've also figured out. Well, it's difficult too, because there is no book, right? It's not like you, the only way you can really learn it is to get a peek behind the curtain by opening for someone else or someone who sits down and tells, tells you that information. And so I got to do that, you know, opening for you and watching how stuff works. But I'll tell you, I booked three shows after we toured together. I did Fort McMurray, the smaller theater. I did my hometown in Cornerbrook and I did St. John's. And when you hit send and those tickets go up on sale, that was the most nervous I've ever yeah. been because your money's on the line. You've put these yeah. deposits down. And I remember going, so all those times I was opening for Jerry and I was just like, ah, how much time do you want? You're like 20 minutes. That's all I had to worry about. You know, I showed up on the yeah. It was like, you know, but you did well. I mean, you, you started doing selling out those places too. And, you know, I started at, I remember doing tours where I'd call the theater and it's an 800 seater and I'd be four days out from the show and I'd call and, uh, which is weird. Like yeah. Jerry D's calling about his own show. And they, and they just, uh, they, I had, and they just trust that it's you too. Like they don't. Yeah. They, yeah. It's like, and I had, okay, what do you want I to had know? No, I had no agent. I had no manager. So I would phone, <laughs> I would phone a venue. I would say how much I'd send my own money. I'd book a deposit. It was like, a, and I remember I phoned Peterborough. It was Showplace, And I remember phoning and they're like, they're like, okay, let me just check. And I hear typing. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, come on, it's 800 seats, right? I'm doing the math. (laughs) 78, you have 78 seats, 78. And I would go do that show as best as I could. So the next time I went, there was 230, then there was 480, then there was a 700. And that's, that's what I did. Then of course, you know, 
I got a TV show, which changes everything, right? I mean, that's that skips a lot of steps. Doesn't I'm yeah. not any funnier, but yeah, you're lucky that you're on television, and that and that helps. And then you've got to stay relevant. So, but at the end of the day, I had to be funny, and and we have to be funny. And Seinfeld used to say that, you know, the first five minutes, I get that, wow, that's Jerry Seinfeld. But after that, I I got to be funnier. They're like, I don't care who you are. Yeah, I paid the money, and where's the jokes? You know. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think that you did well, I don't know if you get enough credit for it, is that I think you took whatever opportunity you had, whether it was last comic or your time at the score or whatever it was, and you used that to then elevate yourself to another room, to unlock another door to go into. You didn't just rest your laurels on, well, I did last comic standing. Because some people would have done that. They would have went like, I'm the guy from last yeah. comic standing all those years ago. You seem to adapt quickly to go, I can't stay here. I got to take this and move it on to a next level. Where did you, where did you get that? Like that mentality from of that? Oh, I can't stay here. Cause a lot of comics would have done it. I did a comedy now back in 1998. Where's my, where's everything for me? That, I think, I, I think what I learned was probably a little bit ADHD, but I think I learned that. And I've never, even to this day, I'm not someone that sits and waits, you know, and I, I, a lot of comics are right. You're right. They're like, I, like, where are my phone calls? doesn't work that way. Like it, it, I never looked at anything I did as too big. So when I came third on last comic, I was excited. I knew it was an opportunity, but I never went, I'm so big now. Everybody's going to come after me because they don't because big as Dave Chappelle, big as Chris Rock, big as Kevin Hart, you know? So I'm like, okay. Um, I was always kind of realistic about, where I fit in the model. And I'm like, okay, this is helpful, but I got a window here. Cause in a year, no one cares. You yeah. think anybody cares right now that I did last comic? They don't. They cared for about four months. So I knew I had four months to snowball it into something. And, um, you know, I always just knew I had to, I'd have comics call me and say, Hey, how did you get in the HBO comedy festival? And I said, uh, I Googled it and I mailed a tape. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't do anything special. Yeah. Um, how did you get in the San Francisco comedy competition? I just found it online and I mailed a tape and emailed the guy. Like it wasn't rocket science. So I knew, I think you're right. I knew there was a window where people aren't just going to knock down my door and they still don't. And I still am chasing everything that I do. I don't have, you know, you have eight seasons of a sitcom. It doesn't mean anything to me or to them or to anyone. It's a little bit of an edge, a little bit. Yeah. Um, if I'm calling a network versus a, an open micer, of course, I'm going to get a, a little more attention from them, but there's nobody knocking on my door saying, what do you have? Can yeah. we do something with you? It, it's back to square one in Canada. And yeah. it's hum it's humbling, but <clears throat> I never think too high of myself to go. That's a, that's weird. I'm like, that's the way it is here, and you just accept it. If I have an eight season sitcom in L.A., they're begging you to do a new show. They're coming at you now. You know the networks aren't like they're very good to me here. They're listening. They they put things in development, but it's not easy. I'm up against all the other people that have had sitcoms and shows here. Yeah. I'm no better than them. So. There's, I learned this, there's only what, five spots in Canada for a sitcom on, yeah. on network television? Pretty much. And there's a lot of people 
Hunting that are really, really trying to get him or as good or better that uh, deserve it as much as I do. So it's still hard work, yeah. right? In the States, in the States, you can have one good sitcom. They'll give you six more and they'll be shit. Yeah. But you were on Roseanne. <laughs> exactly. You were on Roseanne. There's a holding deal for, We're going to yeah. keep doing nine more. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, so it's, uh, it's different. Yeah, you're right, man. It's uh, it's a weird thing. I remember hearing Jim Gaffigan talk about he felt like one of his greatest strengths was his ability to move on from rejection. He goes, like, you can feel like shit for a day or two if you, you know, because apparently he was shortlisted to be on The Office, the original Office, and then didn't get it. And then he watches that thing blow up. And he goes, I could have been bitter the rest of my life and just said, you know, that was my shot, you know, and you're that guy at the end of the bar now feeling sorry for yourself, you know, but he's like, I decided to write my own show. We do that. That takes off. That opens more doors for me. But I think in comedy in particular, it's like the quicker you can get over any kind of failure or even success, yeah. it doesn't matter if stuff good happens for you or stuff negative. It's like quickly assess the damage or the success and then move on as quick as you can to the next thing. There's no stain. And it, yeah. And it's a good point. But it, even more than moving on is uh, don't take it personally and don't burn a bridge. And I see a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I was going to, I was going to tweet one day. I remember it was like, I was just going to tweet. No, 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 no. Like 40 no's. Yes. 20 more no's. Yes. 40 more no's. Like, cause that's the career. That's my career. It's mostly no. Yes. It's not a lot of yeses. <laughs> it's a good t-shirt. It's mostly it's, no. It's yeah. It seems like it's a lot of yeses. Cause you know, I've been very fortunate so imagine how many no's it is for someone that hasn't had the yes. It's a lot of, a lot of no. Yeah. If you're going to burn a bridge and slam a door on your way out of a network and give them peace of your mind, you won't see another yes. No. And I, a lot of people fail to realize that. And the thing I always tell people is this, you'll never know. It's like, the, it's like working with a dick on a show, right? Like an asshole, you know, they're an asshole. And people are like, I heard he's an asshole. Yeah. You get one show to be an asshole. And you yeah. know what happens the next time you pitch? They're like, he's just really hard to work with. Yeah. And they don't tell you that. They're like, you no. know what? You know what? Um, we're just we're just looking for something a little different. You'll just keep hearing that. Yeah. That's what the reason is a lot of times. We see these, we see these guys that, you know, or girls in our industry that you hear stories about they don't last very long and that's any job, any job. You don't last long. You get, you, you get that bit of that star treatment for a bit. And then, you know, I hear stories of people that are getting screamed at and, you know, and people, I don't know what this industry is where they think they can be screamers and yellers because they're a showrunner or a writer or an actor. And they just think they can scream at people like, you scream yeah. at me or you scream at you in that world. We're going to go, who are, you, who are you talking to? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it just, that's the, that's not how the world works. Yeah. I know. You know. So it's interesting, but it makes it easier for guys like us <clears throat> because it just, it just thins them out because they just, they don't get, they're just, they'll go on Twitter 
because their show got canceled. I know. Blast and, everybody and on social blast media. Blast everybody at the network. I'm like, good <laughs> move, buddy. Yeah. This is going to help you. Done. And the other thing, too, you realize in this biz, everybody moves around. So the guy who was the yes. president at whatever is now the president of the comedy festival you're going to want to, you know, s- submit yes. for in three years. You don't know it now. You're just not, thinking, not even that guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, not even the president, Trent. The guy that was the grip on your show is now the second right. in command somewhere. And you exactly. were a dick to the grip because you thought you were a big superstar. And he never but forgot. Never forget. And that's just, yeah. you know, it's always that the old adage is like, go ask the, go ask the people in the, you know, the, the hair and makeup and the grips, what the, what they're like. And they'll tell you the real stories. Cause they see, you know, star to star, you know, it's different. You know, yeah. the number, the star is going to talk differently to the next star. Yeah. But I've seen it where they turn around to someone that they don't think is important to the show and they are and just rip them. Yeah. That's where you find out the true colors. And you know. I agree. Well, it's like our show too. And I'm sure yours would have been the same when you were shooting Mr. D. It's like, you know, you're in each other's back pockets for months. Right. And it's like, these people are busting their ass. They have families, they have, you know, they're doing the best they can all to make us look good. Also that yeah. we, at the end of the day, look great. You know, everything looks fantastic. You got your lines, you sound great. All that's done. They get no FaceTime whatsoever. It's like, you know, credits at the end of a show. I'm like, they don't need to deal with your shit. And you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, I, I've always felt that about like, they're always doing their best. And at the end of the day, we get all the applause and the limelight. And it's like, you know, you're going to turn around and just throw them under a bus. I just don't, it doesn't make any sense to me, but. I just, I just got rid of them. <laughs> I, yeah. We had a guy on our show. I just got rid of him. I just got yeah. rid of him. I heard he was, he was just yelling at people, making people cry. I just got rid of him. Yeah. It was simple. It's like, you're done. I don't care where you are in the call sheet. Like yeah. just, I just would never, I would never work with people like that. And we just yeah. got rid of him. Like, it's just that simple to me. And I don't think a lot of shows do that. We're like, no, like, I, I don't want to work yeah. around this. No. Get rid of them. Then they go off and say, oh, this is, no, you're, you, we got rid of you. Like you're an asshole. That's yeah. it. See you later. We yeah. don't even mention the write-off. We just say bye. Yeah. So I, I just don't have time for that. I mean, now if I ever had another show, my God, would I do research on everybody? <laughs> yes, like I right. would find out, or I would hire as many friends as I could because people you know you gotta you gotta make sure you don't get that cancer on your show, or yeah. you know that it, it just brings everything down. And it's yeah. um you know, but the odds of getting a show are so tough anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Family Feud is is great. It's different, but it's not a show like that. I'm just me. I'm by myself. Right? I don't have a team like you do. And, yeah. You know, I miss that, but I love it. It's fun, but it's very different. Dude, it's, a, it's crazy too. I mean, it's 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 a great run to have eight seasons of any show. I mean, for for D to have the run that it had. I mean, that is. It's insane. Of course, a lot of folks who are on our crew, of course, have like, you know, bit worked yeah. on your crew for different periods of time and stuff. And, and um, you know, I have that kind of a run, whether you're in America, England, in Canada, yeah. like that's a, that's a long run and something to be proud of. You know, like that's a, you put a, you put a body of work out there that lasted for a long time. Do so you look back on yeah. that now? Or do you just kind of go like, I'm on to the next thing. I mean, obviously you can't, I know you're not going to rest on it, but you must have some pride in it. Yeah, I have pride in it, but it's uh it, 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 you know, the network was very good to us in letting us do that. I mean, it's, that's, you know, it, it, you're always wishing there was more of this or more of that. And, but the, you know, Sally Cato at CBC, who I dealt with a lot of this stuff at the time was just believed in the show, knew it never really caught a mainstream audience, but it had this following and she believed in it. 
And um, it was just them trusting us and led us to go that long. But CBC is good like that with, well, you know, you guys are what, 29 seasons? This is 28. Good, <laughs> 28 seasons. Yeah. They're good at letting stuff find its audience and not rushing to cancel. And I, I admired that. So they were really good to us. You know, we had a great crew, as you know, like that crew was phenomenal living out there and working in Nova Scotia. Um, it's the only crew I know really. So I don't know what to compare it to, you know, family few, we have a great crew. Um, but I think the crew is only as good as the people leading it. And, you know, Mike Volpe, my partner on the show was awesome guy. Um, uh, and I think that's where we just tried to be fair to people. Yeah. Um, you're not going to have everyone like you. That's just the nature of it. I, you know, uh, it's like a team, same thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, there's guys on my hockey team that I didn't even talk to at X. I just didn't even want to be around. And that's probably the same for you at, at Mun. It's, it's just like, yeah. it's just what it is. You know, you, you can't, but we had a very good cast, very good writers, you know, we switched up our writer's room. We, we had, you know, a couple problems there, one in particular. And we, once we got that kind of moved out, it just changed the dynamic of everything and the vibe. And, uh, but a, a credit to the writers then and the direct, it was just a great group effort. So, I mean, I look back on it. I'm very proud of it, but I'm, I'm like, it's, it's not the office. It's right. not arrested. Yeah, I I don't, you know, to it to me, it's been a struggle to get it on in the states. We've just we've just done that. Like, so I don't look back and go, "Wow, like what an amazing job!" I just feel really fortunate. We did a we did a good job. Yeah, and uh, I feel very fortunate. I'm just, but I moved on in the sense like I can't live in that world. I can't I can't right. hang my hat on that forever. Like, it's just not my nature. You yeah, know, yeah. You move on to the next thing. Yeah. Oh, I remember you and I. This is funny. You just brought up the uh, the show going to the U.S. I just saw it on Twitter when you announced it, like yesterday, yeah. it was two days ago. You and I driving, I think, to Lethbridge, Alberta, I do believe, and you were on a call. This dude, this might yeah. have been a decade ago, and you were talking about that then, like about getting it to the U.S. Da 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 da. And I'm yeah. driving, and you get off the call, and you go. <laughs> You probably just learned a whole lot about the uh, inner workings of a TV show. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I did. <laughs> just driving, looking yeah. at the groundhogs as I'm blowing down the highways. I wouldn't have been, t- I don't know if it had been 10 years ago. ago. Well, it might have been six. Um, but it could have been, I don't know. I mean, I was, look, I knew that was the, 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 the golden nugget, right? Like, it's yep. a different world. And I knew... You know, you know, that's the one thing I'm still never, I, I don't get how we don't, we never took off there because the, the countries aren't any different. Yeah. You know, uh, nothing would change just, in, you know, in terms nah, of it's yeah. like teachers, it's a teacher show and I get it, but I never understood that. I still don't, but we'll see how this works out where we're, where we're going to go. And, and, um, but I've been working on this for a long time and I've had a lot of, a lot of no's that we had a development deal with CBS you know, Will Arnett was involved and Will reached out to me and that might've been the call. And Mitch Hurwitz was involved who did Arrested Development. Like I was way over my head in excitement and then it just went nowhere. Um, so the next time you get that excitement, it's not as much because you're like, I'm, I'm a bit thicker skinned on this. I was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> Will Arnett, <laughs> Will Arnett emailed me. 
I'm boy, that's t- young. You know, he's younger gonna, than me. I'm all excited. <laughs> I'm only going to tell 30 people, but don't tell anyone. You can't tell anybody. None of you people can tell anyone. No. Uh, but did you find it hard because you go from being a comedian? Um, oh, I lost your video. There you are. There you you go. From being a comedian where you're just worried about you. And then you go to this TV show and now you're the you're the boss and you're wearing a thousand hats from like scripts and you're you're calling shots. Was that a difficult transition to go from that thing to that? Yeah. And to be on screen and yeah. do the lines and be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. I I because you're now I came in very green. There's things I wouldn't say now that I said then. Um, there's people I wouldn't have hired that I hired. There's there's a whole bunch of things. Um, there's a lot of mistakes I made. There's, you know, I got rid of a writer that was a really hard decision, but I regretted that. He was a good guy, a good writer, but it was kind of coming from another place. And But there's a lot I learned, and I don't think people give you that opportunity right there's like but i didn't i was very green to go in and you know kind of run a show so to speak because mike and i and you know we had some great writers in the later seasons who did a lot of the heavy lifting too but yeah it was a lot it was a lot i would do so much different like i said the first thing i would do is really research really research who i've hired for the for everything that that's that's like no flyers no no taking a chance yeah. on, you know, when you hire someone and everybody in the comedy business, like, what are you doing? That guy's no, he seems nice. And then you just see what happens. It just, it's not, cause it doesn't affect just you and it affects the whole show. Yeah. And then it just, that, that was a, that was a lot of headache, man. And, um, but I was new to it too. I made, I made mistakes and, uh, you know, was so caught up in it being funny and, I'm sure I upset people along the way and that's, that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Right. But I tried to make sure everybody, you would hope everybody leaves the show going, he might've been this or this. And I know the ones that won't say that, but most would say he, he was, a, he was good. I, I liked him. He was a good guy. He treated us well. And that's all you can ask for. If you're trying to be liked by everybody in any business where you're nah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, you know, I, I, yeah, sometimes you have to, go against people to make what you want to make and that that's going to happen. And then you upset those people, whether it's network or producer or actor or writer, if you're always like, okay, well, I don't want to offend them. Well, now you're not really making the show. Yeah. And you know, but I try to cling to the real positives of it. And, um, I knew better cause I, I, I knew better in the sense I know kind of, I can read people, but, you kind of go into this, you know, green yep. and you're going to make mistakes. So if I ever had another show, yeah, it'd be, I'd surround it with as many friends as I have to make it fun. We were very fortunate on Mr. D that most of the seasons were, were a lot of fun. Most of the people were a lot of fun. Um, and that's what, what I cling to. Yeah. Was it three months normally or say that you'd do three? Yeah. Months? Two to three, yeah. depending on the episode count. And, you know, my wife's from out there. So it was like, you know, I miss that. I really miss Halifax. And that I think I took for granted. And, you know, we walked, we walked to episode one, carrying my daughter in a, in a hand stroller on the, through the airport. And we left season eight, the three of them walking out. It was, 
very emotional. I no idea what, you know, you start thinking, you're looking at the call sheet and you're like, Oh my God, I'm getting towards the end. And you usually don't know it's the end in Canada. Yeah, usually right. you find out you're like, Oh, we're not back. We knew I decided that it was the end, whether they were going to give us a Caesar nine or not. I never asked. I didn't want to know, but yeah, I just knew it was the time to move on. Kids were getting older. It was a lot for them. They gave up their summers. My wife did. So it was a really, really tough day the last week. The day and the week were tough. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, you, and you, that's what, that's when you realize what you did. Yeah, you're right. What, we, what we what we did. Yeah, the other thing too is like people don't realize, you know, like our show too. Like people love it, some people hate it, whatever. And I get it, but it's like when you're making a weekly thing and you're pumping this stuff out, and it's a quick turnaround. It's like you're in this you're in this whirlwind just putting this stuff together. And most of the people who have criticizing what you're doing have never done what you're doing. You know, that's why I was always fascinated. Never, that. And like, never will. Yeah, and never will. But it's like they're quick to bash it or quick to whatever. And I'm like, do you understand? And you and I used to have this conversation too. You used to say to me, <laughs> you're like, you know how many people say to me, Jerry, you know, uh, how come I haven't written for your show? Or how come whatever? And you're like, okay, well, can you write me a spec script or whatever? And then you know, you're like, you think, ever got, you, think ever, you think I ever got that script? It's like, no, it's like, Never. You, they want the thing, Never. but they don't want to do the work part no. to lead to the thing, right? Because they're still going to be at a bar drinking while someone else is at a laptop banging out a script, you know? Like, it's just, it, the work is the work. You can't hide from it, you know? But they want... I, I, I love, I have people bash me online and then will come <laughs> up to me at an event and want to shake my hand or want a writing gig or fake. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, uh, do you have any like clue how life like, works? This? You ever this? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I always say that to friends that come up and like write a spec script. You know, it doesn't work that I would walk in and go, "Hey, I got a new writer. He's never written on a show, but he's really funny." <laughs> it just doesn't work like that, as you no. know. Yeah. But they don't know that, so I explain it to them. And I don't get the script. I don't. I, you're right. That's happened three or four times. I don't get it. I'm like, write a script, man. That's all I can show them. I, you're not. You don't have a credits from other shows. But yeah. I, I know you're funny. I'd love to help you. Give me a script. Give me oh, okay, man. But I'm not going to email you in a month and go. Any update on that script? Hey, bud. Like, like that's hey. not my job. Now. About to go into a meeting. Would you? You got the no? Okay. <laughs> I just I'll... want to check in. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. that script. I'm not your dad, so uh, yeah, it's a so lot funny. of that. But it's so funny. I mean, that's it's yeah. I remember too. You and I used to talk about. Uh, you asked me one day. You said, uh, "You ever get any weird emails from like you know fans or someone just reaching out?" And I was like, "No, nah, I haven't got much stuff yet." And uh, you're like, "Yeah, I get stuff like, hey, Jerry." I got a golf shirt for you. You want to meet at Starbucks? I can give you a yeah, golf shirt. Still, you're like, you're like, like, am I going to just walk into a Starbucks looking for some guy, hold up a golf shirt? Scary. <laughs> you know what? It's something I, I tease it. I joke about it. It's such a Canadian thing. I still get that. <laughs> hey buddy, we're coming to your show at the Jubilee. We're going for beers at wild wings. It's my wife's birthday. Come on by. And sometimes now I'll go by. Cause I know that is a cool thing for me to do. And for them, <laughs> uh, anything with kids, I'll always try to, you know, make an effort. But the funniest for me ever was a guy wrote me and this is, I do a joke about this. This is how sad, because I say I'm a Canadian celebrity and that's that right there. 
Someone said to me in an interview, what's it like being a Canadian celebrity? I said, you just said it. I have to put the word Canadian in front of it because I'm not a celebrity. Like we're not celebrities, but we are Canadian celebrities. Yeah. And I said, so that means when you email us, we answer like that's us. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. me. You know, like that's not yeah. like celebrities don't do that. Yeah. There's a celebrity. There's one level of celebrity. You're either a celebrity or you're not. Yeah. If I got to put a moniker in front of it, yeah, Canadian. He's a Denmark yeah. celebrity. Yeah, You're not well, a celebrity. Lo- local celebrities. Are the local celebrity. He's a local celebrity. He played. He played on big the provincial port- team. Oh, he, played, yeah. he played at Canada Games in '91. He's big. And, uh, big in Porta Bass. Big in Porta Bass. Huge. So, so uh, this guy writes me, and I've learned now, don't answer. You know because now they've engaged me. So this guy writes me, and I'm just trying to be a nice guy because I realize. People are paying 50, 60 bucks for a ticket. They got a babysitter. They worked hard. I'm trying to be a good guy and respect that. Like, I want to, you know, try to help people. Oh, my sick kid's sick. Yep. Can I go to, I'm like, listen, I, I, I can't, I, you know, I can't refund your ticket, but can you come to the Red Deer show? Can you come, whatever. I'll try to, can you come next year? Yeah. Always do that. This guy says, Jerry, <laughs> just, uh, can't make the show Friday, like a refund. It's Yom Kippur, and I forgot. <laughs> so, so he forgot. Big Jewish holiday for me, real big. You forgot when it was, and I so like an idiot. I answer. I'm like, hey, pal. Like, sorry, but that's not how it works. Like, imagine if everyone. And he writes me back. Well. I swear to God, he goes, well, can't you just like sell them on Kijiji for me? And I'm like, this guy is literally hoping I'll go, all right, okay, I'm going to, okay, you're going to see the ad. If, you know, I'll, I'll maybe I'll tag you, but I'll see what I can do. You're, you're going to move this guy's ticket. That's what you're going to do. Move, can you sell them on Kijiji for me? <laughs> Because that's what I got to do. Never thought about that. Never thought about that as an option. I will look into or, it. Or, or your buddies that want free tickets. They're funny, oh, too, because sometimes they're not buddies. They're like, hey, man, how do I get tickets? Yeah. How do I get tickets for your show at uh, the Jubilee? Or Yeah. Is that well, sold out? Pretty, Is that uh, sold out? Is that show no, sold out? No, no, I don't sell out that theater. It's a really no? big. Oh, okay. No. Uh, hey, buddy. Yeah, we're just wondering. We're just wondering if there's any tickets left or whatever. Yeah, just <laughs> fishing around. Tickets? So they're trying to get free tickets. Now sometimes I'll go. Oh, you know, if I don't want that friend to pay, but sometimes it's like a high school buddy from my my yeah. calculus class that you I have one year to with in thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. How do we get tickets for your show in Calgary? I'm like, yeah. oh, right here, buddy. Here's the link. Oh, cool, man. Are there seats? <laughs> yeah, there's seats. Okay. Like, well, well, my wife has seats with her friend, but we want to sit next to her. So can you arrange that? Yeah, yeah. I'll call the box office. I'll drop in before the show I'm and just sort of see the, see the map. See the map of the venue. <laughs> See if I can work with the ticket person, kind of line you two up. Yeah. Put you on speaker. Let's we'll do a conference call. We'll see if we can work. I got nothing but time. I got nothing but time. Let's yeah. see. Oh, boy. Time works for you. I get texts like this from my buddies. Trent, come under the show tonight. What time are you on? 
Yes. Well, the show starts at eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what time are you on? Yeah, I get that. Why don't you just come to the start of the show? Wouldn't that be easy? Yeah. I can't tell you the exact yeah. minute. What are you going to do? Bust through the doors at the top of the lobby there and come on down the minute you hear my voice? <laughs> like, just like come a to saloon. the show like an adult. Have one what less beer at Green Sleeves and come on down to the show. You're over. To, you're literally yeah. eating wings across the street. <laughs> yeah, that's that 20 minutes you're going to miss. Exactly. No, I, I get that too. It's funny. I, I'm like, it's the same. And, but, but people don't know our world, right? I get it, no. but it's kind of comical. That guy, that guy with the Yom Kippur, I'll never forget. Dude, Yom Kippur, man, totally forgot. Big celebration. We really celebrate. Yeah, I can't give you a refund. Really, man? Like, seriously? Like, can't you just sell them on Kijiji? No, man, well, I can't <laughs> sell them on Kijiji. Why am I answering you is what I should have said. I just imagine like the Foo Fighters social media account and some guys just like, guys, completely forgot. I got the wife's birthday. Dave Grohl, can you sort out the tickets? Dude, I wouldn't ask, but it was just, you can't, you can't move those around. Yeah. Hey, Bruce Springsteen uh, was coming to your show tonight. Would love to come. Uh, It's my daughter's birthday. Totally forgot. Can you just shoot me a quick (laughs) refund? or sell them for me. The, the funniest story I ever had about being a Canadian celebrity, I'm driving to a venue and I say to my wife, I got to start selling Mr. D merch because people always see me wearing this shirt. Yeah. And here's the funny thing that you'll get. I've learned when you see three people on Facebook or Twitter, liking your shirt, don't go buy thousand shirts thinking, because three people want the shirt, right? It's the, same, it's the same when it's the same. It's the same when I'll post my dates and they'll say, when are you coming to Yukon? Oh man, I booked Yukon nine people. Like you can't look at your comments and go, look at this. They want me in Minnesota, Minnesota. I got a guy in Minnesota. I'm going to book. So I call up, I get three people on an, on a Facebook post say, come to Boston. Yeah. So I call up Boston. I'm like, okay, I got fans in Boston. I call up a 2200 seat theater. This is two years ago. I speak to the guy. Uh, he goes, well, I've never heard of you, which is not a good start to the conversation. I said, no, no, I know, but I got, you got to understand there's a lot of, and then it becomes a lot of people on Facebook. There's only three. There's a lot of people on Facebook. I've been asking for me to come. Yeah. I go, what? He goes, well, Okay, he goes, I'm going to try it because I, I, you know, what he said, he goes, because I almost said no to Trailer Park Boys and they sold the place out twice. I said, there you go. There you go. Right. There same, you go, dem- right? same demographic. Same world. I was in the movie. I was in the movie. They probably go. come to see me. So he tells me they have a database <clears throat> at this theater and this theater has like Gaffigan, you know, big, big names in the US. So it's 2,700 or 2,800 seats. So he says, we have a 300,000 person database for people that have come to our comedy shows. I'm like, okay, well, that's perfect. I just want to sell like six, 800 tickets. Yeah, we're good. So this guy, I send my deposit. Uh, I'm doing it on my own. This is like two years ago. I don't, I don't have anybody doing it. The database goes out. 23 tickets get sold. 23. And that's the big push. So I, I cancel it. I'm, and he's like, He's gonna. He goes. Yeah, you'll you'll never even reach two hundred people. So I mean, it's it's a good lesson, but at the same time, <laughs> don't look and go. I got to make sure. So I so I go make 
hundreds of shirts. Teach hard, which right. doesn't even make sense. I don't even know what that <laughs> saying means. <laughs> teach hard, man. Uh, harder teaching. Harder yeah, teaching. Harder. Like work hard, teach hard. Let's get out there. So I, so I, the, the shirts come and they come to me. Right. Like this, Jerry Seinfeld and, and, <laughs> and, and, and these big stars in LA, they're not ordering t shirts and shipping them to their house. So my wife's like, what's that? I got 21 boxes in the garage. I'm like, the new merch, new merch. I need you to do the packaging. We're going to do this as a team. So I'm, this is not a joke. So I got all these. So I'm doing a show in Richmond Hill and I'm like, okay, here we go. I pack up. I can't leave smalls. I'll be, oh. I'll be mad if I leave smalls. Um, so now I'm not selling them at least now. So I pack up my SUV. I get 14 boxes in. I just get it shut. That's how much merch I bring. <laughs> I, I go to the theater at 530 to set up rush hour traffic, middle of Toronto. I get to this major intersection in Toronto. I turn left and I hear this noise. I look back. My trunk didn't shut. My SUV didn't shut. 12 of the 14 boxes are thrust across the middle of the intersection. Oh my with, God. With Jerry D, Mr. D all over everything, <laughs> all individually splashed. I have never been more nervous in my life. I pull over. I'm like, I, I can't, first of all, I'm going to get killed if I try to pick it all up. Yeah. There's about 97 items. Cause there's, they're all the boxes and I can't leave it there because my name's all over it. <laughs> So I'm literally running across the intersection in intervals with my hoodie like this. So no one will. Yeah. <laughs> one guy saw me. Jeremy! I'm like, Hey buddy. It was, I was dripping with sweat. Oh my God. Oh my and I, God. And I, that was my awakening. <clears throat> like you're nobody. You're I'm, still nobody. This is humbling as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. And I ended up telling the story on stage and, and it was like, cause I'm driving there and I'm literally like, come on, this is a fucking joke. Like, do you think stars are doing this? Packing up their trunk, yelling at their waiting mediums. <laughs> mediums. No, I got a mail. This guy in Lethbridge wants a medium. Like it's, it's Canadian. celebrity. you got any long sleeve? Do you oh have long sleeve? Only short sleeve? Hmm. That was it. That was dude. it. That was the end of the line. Dude, you, well, you, what you do, because as a Canadian celebrity, if you will, you get humbled all the time. I've been at, at Tim Hortons in a town where I have a show that night at a theater and someone come up and go, oh my God, Trent McClellan. Oh my God, you're one of my favorites. I think you're so funny. I go, oh, thank you so much. I go, yeah, they got the big show tonight. They go, oh yeah, we're not going to that tonight, but oh my God, I hope you have a good one. Anyway, I'll leave you with that there now. And they walk away and I'm like, <laughs> You, you're, you just said you're a, my biggest fan. It's like you're, and you're not coming. The theater across the street. It's literally, it's in half an hour. And I'm like, this, this doesn't happen to other people, does it? Does it happen? I, so I, 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 wa I walked into the front doors of the Moncton Theater two years ago because I couldn't find the back. I walked in the front doors, which I, you know, I don't care, but I don't do it because I'm kind of rushing. Yep. And the girl stops me. Ticket? I'm like, really? <laughs> Sure, no one gets in without a ticket. I'm like, well, I, I'm kind of having fun with it because I don't want to say right away. Well, I'm. Yeah. I said, well, who's performing? Jerry D, comedian. And I'm literally standing there like this is a friggin' joke. <laughs> so I said, so I can't get in, not without a ticket, sir. That is just. Uh, 
Um, so I go, why don't you turn around and look at that poster? And it was me. And I, that's how I got in or someone recognized me, but I'm so used to it. Right. I'm so used to it. I just, I, I, I find it part of my job. It's, it doesn't bother me at all. I find it kind of funny because I'm very lucky to be able to do those theaters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I stand up wise now. Are you still enjoying it? Are you still getting like, enjoy getting up off? Cause I went to your website and looks like you got shows lined up for, for 2021. Like, yeah, it, they're they're yeah. I still love it. It's it's and I'm gonna love it more because it's gonna be so long. Because we won't do those shows now. We'll have to push those again. Right. Um. So it's the first time I'll have gone a whole year without doing. I've done a couple of these virtual things. Those are not fun. Oh, dude. Yeah, I have no. I have no interest in doing it. Yeah, anything. they're not. They're you feel like an open micer, yeah. but um, I love it. I love it. I if people say, "What do you like better?" I'm like, they're exactly the same. One is. One is a team. One is an individual sport. Yeah. I love them both. I love the instantaneous feedback of a live show. You can't get that anywhere else, right? You're doing 22 minutes or Mr. D and you get the crew laughing and that's a good, you know, but you don't yeah. really benefit from the home audience laughing. You just hope. Yeah. But live stand up is, you know. Well, that's the other thing too. I love about when you're touring too, like if you're doing a succession of dates and you're working on new stuff and you get to add to it every night. So it's another line. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to yeah. do this twist tonight. Yeah. I really yeah. still get off on that of building yeah. the thing as you're going, you know? Well, the last date's better than the first date for sure. Oh, there's no doubt about you, it. You, you've added so much to, you know, or something's happened on the road. Um, like that, you know, that merchandise falling out of my truck. Like I probably did that in four cities, that, that tour. Yeah, but I love it. It's you know, it's the best. It's the great thing too about when you're on the road because you can take stuff that happens and just bring it on stage. You know, and and you know, every show becomes a little bit different based on what your day was like that day. And I'll never get sick of it. What I what I learned early too, I was like, I could be this guy that gets on this show on 22 and then just hang my hat on that and just say I'm not going to do stand up, but I love it. But also, your muscles go away. Like if you don't do stand up, if you're not trying to get up on stage. It just goes away. I've seen really, really good comedians who got a sitcom or a movie or whatever. I went to go see them live and I went, Ooh, like this is because they haven't been doing yeah, it. They've yeah, been totally yeah. immersed in yeah. the show, you know? So I didn't want that to happen. And, and, and you're going to find too, that slowly people are going to only know you from 22 and then they're going to hear you doing stand up, and you're going to kill. And they're going to be like, I did not expect, they don't know you were stand up first. Right. You know, yeah. and I got that too. They're coming to see Mr. D, but yeah, I'm actually a stand up. Yeah. You know, so it's not like it's not Screech from Saved by the Bell, right? Who just, you know, <laughs> transferred into stand up or the guy that family ties the neighbor. That's, that's I remember, I remember, I remember, uh, Skippy, I remember Skippy, right? Skip, Skippy. I remember doing a show at Yuck Yucks Ajax. This to me is funny, but is Yuck Yucks a- Ajax 2001. I just started a year into comedy, a year and a half. And I want, they want me to open for Jimmy Walker. Good times. Right? Good times. So I'm like, you know, and his saying was dynamite, right? That was his saying. Right. And that was his big thing. So it's mm. a pretty big gig for me. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. I used to watch him. Like he was a star to me and I was opening for him. I'm 31 years old. I'm like, wow, this is cool. So he, he's like, I heard he complaining. He's complaining because I'm up there too long. And I was, I was doing my time, but he was just a bad pacing and complaining. And I had, there was all these rules. Like you don't talk, you don't talk to him. And I was like, man, this guy's like too much. Right. 
So the second show, and you weren't allowed to talk about dynamite. You weren't allowed right. to say it. You weren't allowed to say it on stage. You weren't, you, you had all these rules, right? You, you'll see these stars and sometimes you get them. Terrified that you're going to squash something or yeah. Yeah. Not, not funny really. Yeah. So I go up the second show or the second night. I can't remember. And I'm like, wow, Jimmy Walker's here. This is what you talking about, Willis. I love that show. Oh my God. And he apparently just lost it in the back because, because that was the other very famous phrase. At the time in sitcoms, right? I went, oh, what you talking about, Willis? I love when he does that. And he was so mad. And I didn't care, right? I'm like, you know what? Be nice. It was, uh, yeah, it was funny. What you uh, you're like, I didn't say dynamite. What's he talking about? I didn't say dynamite. I didn't say a word. I didn't say. <laughs> the funniest, the funny, the best story for me was, I mean, I finally, I come off last comic. No, I wasn't on last comic yet. I was just starting to get some LA gigs and I get this gig at the Tempe improv. And I was so excited because I was trying to, I was living in LA. I was trying to break into the improvs, which is amazing clubs. There, there's a hundred of them. So they offer me as opening gig to MC, sorry, MC at the Tempe, Arizona improv hotel and 500 bucks for the weekend. So I don't know if it was five or six shows, but I didn't care. I was like, this is a great stepping stone. Good to get in. My best, my best buddy, we go down, we, we golf in Tempe. I do the shows night. So I, I literally walk in. This would have been about 2003 or four. Kind of new still. I walk in and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh man, I don't know who this, I don't know who this opening middle act is or who the headliner is, but they're in trouble. Yeah, they're in big I'm trouble. Bringing it. I'm telling, I'm, bring I'm it. telling my buddy, I'm telling my buddy, they're in big trouble because I got, I got 45 minutes. I'm only doing like 20. I'm doing my, they're in trouble. And he's like, yeah, man, you know, this is, I go, so the, what's going to happen is the owner's going to go, why is he not headlining? Let's get him back. So I'm, I'm walking in, I'm meeting the opener. I'm meeting the headliner and I'm like, I'm nice. I'm like, dude, man, I feel, I feel bad. Like you're, you have no idea what's coming, right? This is yeah. me. This is me being completely honest with you. But it's only said to me, mm -hmm. right? And my buddy, and I'm kind of, yeah. but I'm like, I'm in my mind, the athlete in me is like, oh, I feel bad. This guy has no idea what's coming, man. I headline in Canada. Yeah. I, I headline. So I walk in, the club is packed, like 480 people. Like the clubs are big there, the improvs. So I'm even more jacked. So the headliner comes up to me, he goes, hey, man. I go, hey, hey, dude, we introduce ourselves. I won't tell you who it is yet. The openers, good guy. He goes, listen, man, I got a, so here's my credits. I got a movie coming out January 24th with so-and-so. I haven't heard of the movie. Never heard of the girl. Uh, I've got a tour. I'm doing Milwaukee improv December. He's giving me like dates, names, releases. <laughs> and I said, listen, man, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I got to learn your name. I'll do my best. Yeah. You got to make sure you get all those things. I said, okay. And I don't want to piss off this guy. Yeah. So I go up, I do, I do. Okay. I'm not that good, <laughs> but I'm like, no, oh, thought I'd do a little better, but yeah. still good. Still good. <laughs> next act goes, next app goes up and, uh, he's good. I'm like, well, these guys are good. This guy was good. Nothing crazy, but very funny. Then the headliner shows up. 
the place goes berserk. They start signs. We love you. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Who is this? I've never heard of this guy in my life. The place goes nuts. Dane Cook. Think about it. It's 2003. He's right. just at the peak of his career. And I'm thinking this guy is in big trouble. Wow. Was I ever. And, you know, you can knock Dane Cook, too. We do it. Everyone does. But, man, I saw him in his prime many, many times. He ripped the room. I don't care if you liked his jokes or if it was. I never saw a guy rip a room. And I saw it many times later in L.A. because I did this one night. He was always on. And I saw him rip a room. And Gary Goldman was the middle. Yep. And very good comic. So I was very humbled very quickly. Yeah. When I saw how big Dane Cook was, and I was like, wow. And that's the yeah. stuff you need to see. Whoops. Yeah. Well, it makes you better. It's like when you see that level of of someone being able to, to bring it to that extent, everyone's better. It's like sports. You play against the best guy in the gym. You're going to be better. You're going to see what the next level even looks like. You're like, oh, that exists. I didn't even know that existed. That level of, and you're right. His fandomonium in terms of people losing their minds and girls screaming like insane. I can't hear you. Can't hear you. We've had a technical difficulty here, and we're going to play a commercial here quickly. As we still can't hear Jerry here or our live feed, we're going to go to Linda in the field. Linda, what is the weather for tomorrow? Do we have, do we have, it looks like it's going to be cloudy. Hey! There he is. He's back from our remotes. It's live TV here. Uh, And I just want to, remember when the CBC used to just shut off at 1230. Remember that? That was that right there. Callers would come up on the screen. They'd play all Canada. That, um... (laughs) That was the craziest humbling moment, though, for me, was that seeing Dane Cook, I got to work on my neck. Wow. Oh, never yeah. said a word. Um, <laughs> Dane Cook just destroyed. And I saw that once I got, you know, when I look back at L.A., the year and a half I lived in L.A., and, you know, Dr. Ken was coming up. Um, Zach Galifianakis was coming up. And I was on stage with these guys, and they were no names, but they were so funny. Yeah. You know, and they were already breaking out. And uh, yeah, I got out of L.A. pretty quick. And the machine was pretty, the machine is there for them too, right? Like if they have the work ethic, if they're going to go after it, the machine is there in place for them to to use. And uh, that's not everywhere, you know, this is not. Yeah, it's L.A. is either you got to be really lucky or really patient um, and really young. And I wasn't old but i wasn't young but you got to be really patient there you know it's it's uh it's it's about longevity there and waiting you know you don't just think you're going to walk in and you know mike wilmot who's probably one of our funniest would show up in la and they're not just like oh my god do this now he i don't know maybe he is because he's pretty big but yeah it's it's a it's a lot of patience yeah, well, I think that's the humbling thing, too. But in Canada, especially if you've done, you know, all the festivals here and you've built a little bit of your name for yourself, generally, when you go there, you start at zero again. Like, yeah. nobody cares. Yeah. You may, with some representation, be able to get on some stages, which is great. But, like, no one cares that you did Joe no. Blow Festival or wherever. Could care less. No. Never heard about it. Next. And then, and then you're doing open mics, and those are not good. 
sucking the you life go out of you. From, you go from headlining to 20 comics and 10 are in the crowd, 10 are on stage, and you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? Yeah. Money's draining out of your bank account every day. You're losing money. Yeah. Change as well. No money coming in because you can't get a paid gig. The dream drives. Well, your paid gigs are back home. You're going back home, and that's when I left. I'm like, why am I here? I'm leaving to make money. What am I going to do? But it was yeah. good. It yeah. was good. It was a good experience. So, what's next for you now? So, uh, how long? Much longer is the feud going this season? How, what's it look like? Yeah, feud's done. So okay. we'll go back. Hopefully, we'll go back and uh, we'll go back. Sorry, lost you there. No worries. Yeah. Hopefully we'll go back uh, in November, whatever, when we okay. go fall. And, um, you know, I'm creating a show, trying to get development. I'm just always back to the drawing board. Nothing awesome. announced, nothing, nothing exciting. I go, I'm coming up on that Fox series with the Moody's again. Nice. Uh, that was Dennis Leary and Jay Baruchel. So they renewed that for season two. I had a small part in that, which was a lot of fun. So Sweet. I can turn into something that'll uh, shoot that in Montreal in January. And that's called the Moody's. And um, that's on Fox, which is, which is cool. Cause I, I, I kind of just, that kind of just landed on me by accident. Really. I just, they, uh, I had an agent, I have an agent at West who does a great job and, <clears throat> but I really only use them to look for more American stuff. Cause I yeah. hear, I don't really, you know, use an agent. I use a kind of just always pitching shows and, and um, I got to a point where I was doing all these U.S. auditions, going to downtown Toronto and parking and reading with someone. And I was like, over 30. I'm like, so I said, listen, I said, I got three kids. I'm missing sports. I don't, I'm not worried if I do or don't get this. I'd love to, but can we not just show them clips? And yeah, I don't know. Like, like I, I would, I would try to never make someone audition when I was, when we were picking cast for Mr. D, like I would always be like, like th th this guy's funny. Like, I, do we really need to audition him? But so I get it. Uh, and this time I just didn't even know what it was. I said, you know what? Can you just send them like my clips and stuff? And the producers loved it. And that's how I got it. And it was kind of, it was, it was great. It was just such a, you know, getting to work with that crew and Jay and Dennis and Elizabeth who were kind of the three stars of it. Um, it was really cool and I didn't even see it coming. So sometimes that's how it works. You try so hard to get something and then you're like, I don't know. I'm just like, just send them this. And they liked yeah. it and they responded and, and it was a lot of fun. So I'm doing that in January and that hopefully will come out on Fox whenever. I don't know. Awesome, dude. Thanks so much for doing this. Good man. Catching great. Up, buddy. Yeah, it was great and to catch up. And, uh, all stay safe. Hi, Halifax. We'll Miss do you. a show again soon together one of these days. Very soon, buddy. I got to go work on my neck. <laughs> <laughs> neck exercises. See you, buddy. Thanks. Anyway, all right, buddy. Cheers. Bye. Bye. That's it. That was my talk with uh, Jerry D. I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, Lord knows when I'll see this guy again. Who knows? You know, because the way the world is set up, who knows when comedians can gather in a room again uh, across the country and from near and far. So uh, who knows? But hopefully it'll be soon. Um, I hope you have an amazing week. And um, I want to thank you to... Um, uh, um, comedy here often podcast network. We've joined those people folks. Pretty cool. 
we've joined them with a bunch of other podcasts, some comedy podcasts, music podcasts, and uh, joined that network and uh, really, really excited to be part of it. I think uh, kind of banding together uh, makes you a little stronger. I really believe that. And uh, I, uh, I'm i looking forward to that relationship and, and moving forward with it. And so uh, you'll be hearing more about that down the road, but uh, excited to join those folks and, um, and take it forward. As I said, this been having a lot of fun, uh, doing the podcasts and talking to some, some people I know and some people I don't know, but, um, and then just sharing that stuff with you. That's all I want to do. So, um, really, really excited to join that and, um, excited to see where it goes, but yes, have a great week. Um, I hope everything works out for you. If it doesn't, you're going to get through it. You're going to survive it. And uh, get make yourself laugh in some way if you can. I mean, if you're gonna, you want to watch some of my clips, go ahead. Look me up. Look a clip or two up. Um, watch 22 minutes if you want. Get some laughs there. Watch whatever you can. Talk to someone who makes you laugh. You know what I mean? Um, lift your spirits in any way you can and, um, and do that. So have a great week. And uh, I'll see you next week on the Generators Podcast. Bye-bye.